Ever feel like you suck at this job? Motherhood, I mean. Have too much anxiety and not enough patience? Too much yelling, not enough play? There's no manual, no village, and no guarantees. The stakes are high. We want so badly to get it right. But this is survival mode. We're just trying to make it to bedtime. So if you're full of mom guilt, your temper scares you. You feel like you're screwing everything up and you're afraid to admit any of those things out loud. This podcast is for you. This is Failing Motherhood. I'm Danielle Batman, and each week we'll chat with a mom ready to be real, sharing her insecurities, her fears, her failures, and her wins. We do not have it all figured out. That's not the goal. The goal is to remind you, you are the mom your kids need. They need what you have, you are good enough, and you're not alone. I hope you pop in earbuds, somehow sneak away, and get ready to hear some hope from the trenches. You belong here, friend. We're so glad you're here. Hey, it's Danielle. Welcome to this bonus episode of Failing Motherhood. I decided to be able to share some clips of what we talked about at the Calm Mom, Calm Home Masterclass. Because I know how hard it is to make a live event and carve out the time to watch a hour-long class over video, and you have little people that need you, and you are in different time zones, and you are doing bedtime, and I get it. So I didn't want to just keep all this good stuff to uh, myself and the ladies that watched it live. I wanted to be able to share it with you my listeners, my people, and um, rope you in at the same time. So this episode is going to share more about positive discipline and some of the ways that form kids' behavior and how it all boils down to impacting you and your ability to stay patient and do the things that you know you're supposed to do. So this episode will pertain to you You are in the right place if you are looking to use gentle discipline strategies, maybe more gentle than you were raised with. Uh, If parenting well is a priority for you, I know that's probably already the case if you are tuning into this podcast. Um, If you know that it's possible with more tools, you could handle things better. And you see parenting positively as a way to heal and change the world. So if that is you, raise your hand and be counted. I am so glad you're here and this episode is for you. Be sure to stay until the end and make sure that you're up to date on all info wholeheartedly. Uh, leave a review, join my Facebook group, find me on Instagram and say hi, and make sure that you have watched my free masterclass as well, Chaos to Calm, which is still recorded and in the show notes. Okay, let's dive in. The first thing I'm going to cover is how the tools of positive discipline make it a whole lot easier to be patient. Second thing we're going to talk about is what is at play that is making it so hard for you to stay calm. And number three, the real reason why your child is struggling and give you an opportunity to do something about it. All right, let's dive in. Traditional discipline has led us to believe that the most influential moment is right after a behavior occurs right? So they do something and then you need to respond and play your right card. And if they, if you want the behavior to repeat, then you do something positive. And if you want that behavior to decrease, you do something negative. 
And that's true in the most rudimentary form of behavior modification, but our kids are not lab rats. They are much more complicated creatures, and parenting is a relationship. So control is not the goal, and that entire premise is broken because it's giving us the impression that if we don't have control over their behavior, then we are failing. And if we feel like we're failing, then we begin to have overinflated, overgeneralized assumptions of how they are going to struggle down the road or how much of a disservice we're doing to them and how much of a bad parent we are. And so that, therefore, our body panics uh, because this is a very big deal to us because it matters to us. It's our kids. And therefore, we find ourselves losing our patience on the daily constantly from some of these behaviors because of the reaction of the story we're telling ourselves in our head. So positive discipline believes that the most influential factor on a child's behavior is the quality of the relationship. So you have to be able to interpret their behavior. We have to be able to meet their needs. You have to be able to modify your own behavior to set them up for success. And instead of controlling, you want to cultivate cooperation. Control is not the goal. Cooperation is. You simply need momentum in a win-win direction, being able to redirect when to a replacement or supplement behavior when they're little, and being able to collaboratively problem solve as they get older. And what this leads to is a lot more grace for the way that you're handling things in the moment because you realize the pressure is off. The more influential moment is the neutral moments when your child is actually teachable, when they're not inflamed in a big moment of emotion. And you're actually able to say, hey, I saw that this was what you what was happening earlier. You want to tell me more about that? What could we do differently next time? Or what, you know, how can we solve this problem? Do you have any ideas? And be able to come to more powerful conclusions And it builds that trust, which helps your influence be strengthened over time. And ultimately, it comes down to knowing that uh, our kids want to do well for us because they know us well, they feel seen by us, they feel known by us, they can be themselves with us, and they feel safe with us. And in the same way that we want to work really hard for a good boss, and we don't really want to work very hard for a micromanaging mean boss, same applies. <laughs> Doesn't matter how old you are as a human. We are motivated by really powerful relationships that meet our needs and empower us. So that is some of the main tenets of the idea of positive discipline. Now, positive discipline, I got certified as a parent educator in this summer, and I did not get certified in a specific parenting philosophy for the first two and a half years of my business for a reason. Because I really wanted to use the street knowledge of all of the hours I spent in families' homes, all of the information I gathered from home visiting for years, uh, my college degree in child development of really understanding what kids need at each age, and being able to pair that with what was working in my home with my strong, strong-willed daughter. And the more I used and recommended tools from positive discipline, the more I realized that not only did it check the boxes for me philosophy-wise, but it was just working and uh, had the most ROI for um, some of the structure to put in place. So I got certified in positive discipline and now um, have a lot more tools at my disposal 
um, for me, resource-wise. And so I just wanted to go through kind of the main six ideas that positive discipline is based on. And it's based on Alderian principles by Alfred Adler. But the first one is the idea of being kind and firm at the same time. And your ability to do that means that you have validation for the child's experience and their emotions. And also, at the same time, you have a boundary in place. And both of those things are true. But it's so hard to find that balance because what happens is usually you swing from being too kind and, you know, repeating things like a broken record until you snap. And then you swing back over to being too firm and too strict and find yourself saying things like, if you don't pick up these toys, they're going in the trash. What were you thinking? I can't believe you did that, right? (laughs) Both being too permissive and too strict do a disservice to your kids. So you want to strike a balance between being kind and firm at the same time. The second idea is that the kids want to feel belonging and significance. They want to feel like they can contribute. They want to feel like they're capable. They want to feel like they are a part of something bigger than them. And the narrative in their head and their perception of the circumstances reassure them that they are safe, they matter, they're a part of something, and um, they are an important piece to the puzzle. And there's a lot of messages that can be sent inadvertently that create the opposite perception in their head, creating discouragement. And positive discipline has a famous quote that says, a misbehaving child is a discouraged child, which really means that there are a lot of things you can do as a parent to empower them and encourage them both proactively and preventatively that create more structure and circumstances behind their ability to see themselves in a really healthy light. So that's the second one. The third one is mutual respect. Mutual respect means that, yes, of course, we want our kids to respect us, but you also have to model that through your relationship back to them. And uh, positive discipline takes it a step further by creating a horizontal hierarchy because, of course, your kids like know that you're the boss. They know that they're dependent on you for literally everything. Um, you're in control of every aspect of their life. And they just want to know that you're also working to um, hold yourself accountable as well to the same standard. So they want to feel like the high expectations apply to everyone and that there are family rules you all ascribe to and that parents have the humility to admit when they miss the mark and uh, be able to work together on a lot of things. So it's more horizontal than vertical. The fourth one is encouragement, and that is the idea of being able to maximize your positive reinforcement for your child, um, away, moving away from candy-like praise to vegetable-like encouragement that creates and instills a really healthy sense of self-esteem and uh, allows them to realize how they feel about things and and how it empowers them rather than relying on external validation creating people-pleasing. And it's not that saying good job is the worst thing you can do for your kid. It just means that you can follow it up with something even more influential that um, sends home and drives home the messages you want them to be getting from you. Uh, The fifth one is social interest, and uh, that really means that kids want to feel like they're a part of the community, that they have a way to contribute, and that they're being helpful. And, you know, you notice every one- to two-year-old toddler 
wants to feel helpful. If an adult drops something, they want to go pick it up and bring them back to them and then have the biggest smile on their face. Like they were, you know, they saved the day. Um, So working with that and being able to empower kids to contribute in ways that are meaningful is a really huge way to help build up that um, healthy relationship. And then the last one is mistakes as opportunities to learn. And that basically means that the way that you see yourself and your ability to uh, fail or succeed was really driven in by how your parents uh, treated mistakes when you were growing up. And to be able to give our kids a healthy sense of self-compassion and grace for how they're doing, we have to be able to model that uh, for them by how we see mistakes as ways to be able to improve and ways to learn from things and create more of a growth mindset around um, that failure is okay in a lot of ways, um, but we have to, it has to start and end with us in being able to treat ourselves that same way too. So moral of the story, positive discipline makes it so much easier to be patient because you are setting your kids up for success with so much structure and tools and environment working for you to be able to eliminate a lot of behaviors in the first place and to be able to create within you a healthy sense of expectation and understanding so that you don't feel like you're inflating the problem or having too high of developmentally appropriate expectations and um, you know working to the wrong premise in the first place. And these tools work genuinely so well with all kids, let alone strong-willed kids. And I'll give you one example. So one of my clients um, that came to me at the end of April, her daughter was going into kindergarten this fall, and they reached out wanting to support her behavior because they were afraid she was not well-equipped to go to kindergarten. And they had reached out to their pediatrician in the past, and they had worked with the counselor in their pediatrician's office twice already. And the she, they were left frustrated because the main advice that they were given was to ignore her tantrums. And this wasn't working at all. Um, one, because she had two other kids that, you know, she had to meet their needs and, and it was just a, felt like a hot mess in the moment. And two, the reason that ignoring wasn't working was because her daughter was lacking some of the security in her relationship with her parents and the skills to manage her emotions and firm boundaries to thrive within. And so over a period of working together for a few months, uh, now she's off to kindergarten, living her best life. And this family has so many tools to use at their disposal with their other daughters, as well as uh, supporting that uh, oldest through all the life transitions ahead of her. So what's making it so hard to be patient in the first place? Well, I don't know. A pandemic? (laughs) Parenting as a whole in the United States? There's The list can go on. You're not okay, right? I'm not okay. You're not okay. For good reason. I am not about toxic positivity. I'm not going to promise I can solve every single one of your problems. In fact, I absolutely cannot. However, I do see a lot of trying to gather tips and tricks, hoping they're the magic fix, and you simply cannot have strategies, tips, tricks, solutions without the sanity to make them accessible and possible. Your patient's capacity 
regulates how accessible any of those tips and tricks are when things get real in the moment and you're unable to access them. You just physically can't do them if you can't learn how to regulate your own reaction first. And in order to regulate your own reaction, you have to be able to take control over what you can control and set yourself up for a lot more success in the background with your well-being, with your mindset, with your boundaries, with your environment, uh, your ability to handle big emotions. So many of those things need to lay the groundwork so that you can then implement what you're supposed to do in the moment with your child. And what you can't control right now is the pandemic and if your kids get sick and any of the city mandates, um, what your partner does, your external stress, what other friends are doing, saying, or thinking. There's a lot of things that are sucking up your energy that you absolutely have no control over. So, so much more valuable when you realize what you can. You can control your perception or your perspective. You can control your reaction in the moment it's possible with work. You can control who's on your parenting team and what influence they have. You can control your environment. You can control the size of your parenting toolbox. You can control the routines, rituals, and expectations in your home. And you can control your confidence by how much actual tools and experience you have under your belt. And what that means is there's a lot that goes into your patience. It's a makeup of your daily habits, your mindset work, your own growth and healing, the your ability to problem solve and uh, troubleshoot a lot of the what's going on with your individual kiddos that's in front of you. The more that you make sense of your own childhood and be able to reconcile the good and the bad and what that matters to you now, and then how that influences what you feel like is successful for your kids. And all of this is going on underneath the surface, undermining you and limiting your potential to even be able to do the tools of positive discipline. And so often what I see is um, you go in a cycle between they just need to listen. Oh, I just need to be more patient. They just need to listen. And it's just not that simple. Continuing to beat yourself up isn't helping anyone. And if it worked, it would have worked by now. (laughs) So uh, our kids are our mirrors for a reason. It's convicting for a reason. We don't show up to parenting having this all figured out. You're not fully enlightened. We get to show up for this journey and learn along the way. And that's what your kids are asking you to do. They're asking you to figure this out with them and grow up alongside them and thinking that you have it all figured out is just not helpful. It's not helping your kids. You do really have to put the work in here. And finally, the real reason your child is struggling. When it comes to parenting, never underestimate how much you don't know you don't know. (laughs) Believe me, imposter syndrome is real for a parent coach, so I continually hoard parenting information because I never want to be recommending or pointing anyone in the wrong direction. And so there are still constantly things that I am learning on a daily basis. But I truly believe every single one of you listening is the mom your kids need. And when you're equipped with more perspective and more tools, you can feel like it even more. So in the the masterclass, I introduced these three hard truths. Number one, 
The strength of your connection with your child determines the level of influence that you have on them. This is true of any relationship because when you don't care about someone, when you don't respect them, when you don't feel like they get it, they don't have a lot of influence over your life. But when you feel like they know the real you and you feel like like they are doing things in their life that you want to admire and you respect, then yeah, what they have to say kind of carries a lot of weight. Same with your kids. Number two, the emotional climate that they are raised in dictates the emotional climate that they will recreate as adults, which means in the first seven years, their brain is downloading their software that they'll run on autopilot the rest of their life. And you, your parent-child relationship is kind of the basic template that they will mirror all their other relationships off of because it's like, if I can trust you, mom, I can trust dad, I can trust grandma, I can trust babysitter. And what the, the way that the brain is formed and wired in those first seven years, that becomes the familiar, that becomes the norm, whether it's unhealthy or not. So the level of conflict that they're raised in, the level of tension, the level of um, yelling, that really becomes what they're going to resort back to as default, you know, subconsciously when they are beginning to parent their own kids. So the more that you can do intentionally and consciously now will create even better relationships that your kids can have with their kids. How impactful is that, right? And number three, the way that you talk to your kids becomes their inner voice. Because everything that was said to you or everything that is in your mind right now as a thought, positively or negatively, about yourself was put there somewhere along the way by someone else. So when you are speaking life into your kids and you are creating really powerful moments of connection and being able to help them hear on repeat really powerful, positive things, it will become the way that they see themselves down the road. And that is so incredibly influential and powerful that we cannot um, discount that responsibility. But the thing is, we can't control our kids' perception. They can be in the same moment with us, and we can have two siblings in the same moment, and one can come away with a totally different takeaway than the other. Because it's just like us. You're, you, we collect data, then we interpret that data, then we create a belief that says, if that is true, then this is how I need to, or I need to be or I need to act. And then that creates the behavior of what you do as a result. In the same way that you are listening to this podcast, you're interpreting it based on your own life experiences and what goes on in your home. Then you're creating a belief that says, if this is true, then, or this is not true. And then you're creating behavior. You're either going to parent differently because of this, or you're going to never listen to this podcast again, right? So your kid's logic does that all the time. And they create beliefs behind uh, basically filling in the gaps to these sentences. I am blank. Adults are blank. Mistakes are blank. I'm loved when blank. Therefore, I must blank. And the reality is a lot of their behavior is based on these premises. And if we can't, we can't always get them, of course, to answer these consciously. So if we don't have any understanding of where they're coming from in some of these areas, then we can't 
address the deepest rooted issue of where this behavior is coming from. And without that, then we can't teach them the skills. We can't give them the messages that they meet their needs, that they're lacking. We can't eliminate this behavior in the long run. And instead, we create short-term solutions and band-aids and play whack-a-mole. So this whole idea of getting able to problem solve together what's going on, run some experiments, see what resonates, be able to proactively, preventatively build up a lot of these areas with with structure and tools behind it, then you're actually going to see the long-term results of the outcomes and success for your child. Because the we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. When we see them hit, when we see them bite, when we see them scream, when we see these giant meltdowns, they're related to so many things under the surface. And it's not a black and white formula of just do A, B, and then you'll get C as a result. It's just not that simple. And it's so individualized to every kiddo. So the more perspective you have of the more ways that you can send really intentional messages and get ahead of some of this behavior without being able, you you just can't heal what you don't know is broken. And that's where they're really struggling. So how does all of this apply to your life right now? I want you to ask yourself three questions based off of those three things that we just talked about. Number one, do you feel like you have a thorough enough toolkit based out of positive discipline or similar philosophies that create and meet those foundational philosophies in practical real life tools for your family? How big is your toolkit? If, you know, from one to 10, if 10 is where you want to be as a parent or thought you would be when you were the world's best parent before you had kids, where are you at right now? Rate yourself from one to 10. Okay, save that number in your head. Second question. Are you able to decode the messages your child is sending with their behavior? Can you confidently enough understand them so that you can validate authentically? How well do you feel like your kid's perception is that they are safe, secure, loved, belong, in control of their life, thriving autonomously, all of those things from 1 to 10? One, not so much. Ten, everyone's thriving. We are jiving. I get it. They get me. We are gelling. Okay? Rate that from one to ten right now of how you are doing with your parent-child relationship. And number three, are you satisfied with your patience level right now? How is it doing? How are you doing? What's going on there? And do you feel like you really have it figured out? Do you have the regulation you need to be able to do the strategies in the moment? From one, not so much, to 10, absolutely no question. I can stay patient through the biggest storms ever. They don't even phase me. Now, of course, perfection is not the goal here at all. But being able to genuinely become conscious and aware of how we're struggling so that we can make 
educated, informed decisions as the CEO of our family and feel empowered and equipped with solutions that are the perfect next step for us, that's the goal. And that's where I'm going to introduce what you can do about it. And that is joining the group that I have created that is starting in September. It's called Wholeheartedly Calm, and it's an 11-week group for moms striving to parent strong-willed kids with way more patience. And the entire premise is that it creates the commitment to change paired with investing in support full of accountability and resources and individualized feedback that makes it impossible for you not to be able to find the change and the outcomes that you need in your home. So the goals are to be able to stop wishing you had more patience, beating yourself up for it, be able to effortlessly move through some of these simple directions and care routines with your kids without argument, be able to spend more time with your kids because you're present and playful, be able to master that full toolkit of strategies you need to handle whatever your child throws your way, possibly even be the one that your friends come to for advice on discipline and behavior problems, and go to bed every day replaying the way that you handled those hard moments and feel friggin' proud of yourself. So here's the details. Every week for 11 weeks, there are micro-learning lessons, very short videos or audio clips on a positive discipline tool with a powerful analogy to make it sink in and last for years in your brain. Uh, Step-by-step progress each week on a patience triggers and mindset shifts each week, step-by-step through a triggers workbook and PDF resources to make these things make sense with handy cheat sheets to practice them in real life. Then at the end of every week on Thursdays, there's going to be a live coaching Q&A call over Zoom. It's going to start off with a very experimental role play to be able to really get in your kids' shoes and problem solve together. Be able to crowdsource some more solutions, hear other people's ideas. Um, just no question is off limits. So whether those questions about being annoyed with how your partner parents or finding self-care or um, hitting and biting at your house, picky eating, sleep, all the things, ask your questions. Whatever's going on at your home, get real answers that are the most practical next steps that you could possibly have. I've also curated the best ROI resources that I've used that have been proven to work for my one-on-one clients, and now they will be accessible through this group. Things like my signature cultivating cooperation guide, the triggers workbook, the my meeting needs audit and toolkit, the language of being kind and firm, logical versus natural consequences, special time and connection rituals, praise versus encouragement and the language of encouragement, the best books for strong-willed kids, affirmation card sets for kids, and social-emotional skills solutions packets. All of those resources are baked into this group and are taught and implemented one by one in a very strategic manner to change the outcomes of the culture of your home for good. Wholeheartedly Calm will help you extend your patience 
improve your child's behavior, stabilize your well-being, strengthen your parent-child relationship, cultivate a peaceful home, and feel like you know what you're doing. So to recap, it is audio and visual positive discipline trainings, PDF cheat sheets, step-by-step processing of your triggers, a weekly live Q&A call, a private Facebook group, and more. 11 weeks starting September 7th through November 19th, so the week before Thanksgiving. How does that sound? I have cultivated this with lots of bonuses as well, and I really feel like it is possibly the best way to find transformation in your home because it starts with you. And the only caveat I have, the main disclaimer that I would say if this group is not a good fit for you, number one, if you're going to bring a very judgmental, uh, shame-filled attitude full of negativity to the group, (laughs) that's definitely not welcome. Um, And number two, if you feel like everything at your house is your kid's fault and there's nothing you can do about it, that's definitely not true. And number three, if if one of your top three things you struggle with in your home is that you and your parenting partner are not on the same page, then I really do recommend one-on-one coaching over a group program because so much of what you're trying to learn and implement will be undermined by the inconsistency if it doesn't translate across the board. And so if that's something that you guys really have realized about each other and that you grew up differently and that's really affecting your perception of their behaviors and, and how you go about things in the moment, then reach out and schedule a Sandy and Solutions call instead. Um, maybe even yet this week, that way we can hash out together what is the best fit for your family, whether it's the group or whether it's one-on-one. But if your patience level is not where you want it to be, if you don't feel like you're able to decode their behaviors and figure out the deeper rooted disconnect of where these behaviors are coming from, and if you want to have more of these tools of positive discipline in your toolkit and want to be able to support especially your strong-willed child with improving their behavior so that they are living their best life and so are you, and you set up that foundation for the long run, then it does take a commitment to that. It takes carving out the time. It takes setting aside an investment, and it takes being able and willing to support others along the way and know that you're not alone and share the ideas of what's working in your home with others And I just would not want to do that with anyone else, but some of my podcast listeners that are the most determined to see this change in their home by Thanksgiving. So if that is you, then go to parentingwholeheartedly.com slash group, and that is where you're going to find all the details of what bonuses are included and what you need to do to take care of those next steps. There is a monthly payment plan as well as a pay in full option. And all those details are on the website that you can find below. If you are listening to this after the fact, then check the show notes because there might be a possibility of enrolling in this group after it has started, um, but you'll have to connect with me for more info on those possibilities. The last thing I'm going to say before I hop off this bonus episode is if you are saying no to this opportunity. Be clear 
about what you're saying yes to. Are you saying yes to a another course? Are you saying yes to you know reading through things and taking a lot more time to find the information yourself? Are you saying yes to dealing with so much more tantrums and negative behaviors and asking your child to be okay with living that way? Are you saying yes to having really crispy, done days and spending this limited time with your kids in these cute, adorable years that fly by so fast, spending them absolutely burnt out with no resources at your disposal? Is that what you're saying yes to? And everything is worth close consideration, and I want you to make an empowered, educated decision. But don't let time or cost or like timing of this group or feeling like you're going to fall behind in the group, really think through what is limiting you from making this decision and what you're saying yes to if you say no to it. Because of course we know there's no better time than early intervention. There is no better opportunity than, I don't know, three quarters of a way through a pandemic. (laughs) to find better days and take control over what you do have control over in these uncertain times. And we know that money is the most renewable resource. You can have more money written in a check to you in your mailbox tomorrow, but you cannot get this type of commitment to change, improvement in your child's behavior, and more patience for you and time with your kids spent doing the things that you love and enjoying them through these years, you can't get that back. So I challenge you to really think about what you're doing and why. And and if you are telling yourself, this isn't for me, I can't do this right now, uh, we can't afford it, or my partner wouldn't sign off on that. If that's true, how does that make you feel? Does that feel good? Or does that feel like a problem you want to solve? That's up to you. But if you feel like you know you need something, this possibly could really help, then send me an email, send me a DM, ask me some more questions about it. Let's see if we can make it possible for you and if you'd be a good fit for it as well. Okay? Make that investment for your family and for yourself. Thanks for tuning in for this bonus episode. You are an awesome parent for seeking out resources to equip you. Your kids are lucky to have you spending this time taking in this information and considering this opportunity. And I'm so glad and honored that you are choosing my voice to put in your earbuds. That is still just the strangest thing. And I absolutely love it. Um, so leave a review if you haven't, tell a friend, post about it in your stories. I found a lot of people on Instagram last week that were, that said that they came over because of someone who shared it and, you know, even strangers on Reddit, (laughs) they're, they're finding this, this info because they need it. They need to hear that they're not alone. They need to hear that someone else feels like they're failing motherhood too. And so you can give them that opportunity by sharing the podcast with a friend or strangers. Either way. (laughs) 
So thank you for coming on this journey with me. I believe in you and I am cheering you on. <laughs>